For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Legendary game in 1970 that really changed college football in a lot of ways, but specifically because nobody in the SEC was playing any black football players. Hard to believe, but you guys went in there and played a night game September of 1970. Explain, if you can, describe the atmosphere. Uh, the atmosphere was, was very tense, um, but it's like uh, the tension of coming out and playing a big game and then this other cloud, this other tension of this, this race issue there. Uh, scowls, um, people calling names, uh, uh, the um, N-word, niggers being, be, being said as you're coming out of the tunnel. And you can hear this. Uh, nigger being said while you're on the playing field by some of the other players and, and, and those kind of things. So that kind of stuff was going on. Some of the Alabama players? During the process. Wow. During the process. Guys came back in the home and said, guy just called me a nigger. You know, uh, so there was a game going on within the game, and, and fortunately um, for us, we went down at the right time. We had the right group of players together. Uh, Sam Cunningham had a tremendous game down Over there. Over 200 yards rush. So, yeah. and, that was, and, and like about 15 carries. Uh, so we come out of there with a 42-21, I think, victory was the, end, was, was the final score, something of that nature. Um, and it, it, it's history. It's a very important part of history. It, it, it certainly advanced the African-American cause in uh, uh, college sports. It opened up the door for African-Americans to finally get into the uh, SEC. And uh, to this day, it's looked at as one of the benchmark, uh, historical benchmarks for advancing Next thing you know, Ozzie Newsom's playing at Alabama. Right. Not to mention now. Can you imagine Alabama without black players now? No. It sounds no. even preposterous. Welcome back to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. This is your main man, Ken Clark. Back in the booth, I got my two superstar partners, Mr. Batman, a.k.a. Zoe Phillips. What's up, brother? What's going on, Ken? What's going on, the I Love family? And once again, we bring him back, the big Aristotle. Mr. Shaq, what's up, baby? What's good, Blue Blue Crew? What'd it do? Oh, man, it's all good, man. Uh just uh, wanted to come back, sit down, you know, with you guys, man. It's been so fun um, coming down and, you know, talking about the team and, and, and spreading, you know, spreading our thoughts and, and putting it on wax, as they say. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to kind of come back together, and, and we appreciate Corey, who's um, sat this show out, Mr. Magic Johnson himself. You know, he's always there to give us that assist and set us up. But in this particular episode, we wanted to just kind of revisit a previous show that we, we recently had. Um, and we kind of finished off with some content, kind of post-show, kind of speaking to uh, Coach Prime, uh, his hire in that Jackson State being um, what we feel could be a, a real paradigm shift for um, all HBCUs. And kind of we kind of left off with Shaq, you mentioned in a, a historical game, man, a, um, a very important game in the in history of college football, the, um, the Alabama versus uh, USC 1970 game. And um, – I just uh, kind of wanted to go back through it, 
pick it back up again and just add a little bit more meat. I felt we left a lot of meat on the bone uh, uh, with some of those topics that kind of came up. And, and we just kind of want to take this episode, man, to just slow it down, you know, relax a little bit and just kind of expound a little bit more on exactly why we feel that this hire at Jackson State for Coach Prime could be. We mentioned paradigm shift, but we kind of wanted to explain why why we're saying and why we're thinking the way that we're thinking. Shaq, what, uh, you you kind of left off mentioning um, uh, that game being a paradigm shift. Uh, if you can kind of let's just start there, man, and let's uh, see if we can build on what we where we left off. No problem. I, I brought that game up because that game, if by by most accounts, and and based on NCAA historians. Most people consider that game the turning point or the pinnacle moment, if you will, of a changing landscape in black talent um, shifting and going from HBCUs to going to the PWCs, predominantly white colleges and universities. Now, you had your onesies and twosies previously before that um, during the integration movement. Um, but for the most part, Alabama remained um, a segregated um, university in terms of allowing black athletes to participate in sports. Um, so they were the long, what they were one of the long holdovers that were, um, that were refusing to allow black athletes to participate in football. Um, so of course, as we know, as history tells us, um, Bear Bryant, um, got with the USC head coach during that time frame, uh, and they scheduled a game, um, which changed. Uh, for most part, the history of 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 college football in general. Um, so here we have what we can consider now, in in retrospect, a paradigm shift, mm -hmm. uh, which started the shift of black talent, uh, elite black talent at that, starting to migrate from the black colleges and going into the PWCs. Um, and I think there's something to be learned. Um, from that movement, uh, from that integration movement, which drastically dealt um, a, a death blow and was one of, I won't say it was a final nail in the coffin because we're still here, but mm -hmm. historically it was, it was one nail in our coffin that, um, that we're still recovering from to this day, uh, if we want to be honest about it. So, right. and, and now we're looking at it 50 years later from the arrival of Coach Prime um, in an HBCU conference to possibly being a pathway to another paradigm shift with that talent once again returning back home. So I'm excited. You know, I, I know once we said it, there's a possible paradigm shift. People may be looking at it uh, with a side eye and saying, how can that be? But this is this is what we're considering, in our opinion, the beginning stages or the building blocks, per se, um, that are being created and, and outlined uh, with the possibility of that talent uh, and also the infrastructure um, and the marketing and branding for our universities and colleges uh, to now be at the forefront. Mm. Um, yeah. so, so before you chime in, I, I mean, Shaq just said a mouthful. I'm going to try to, you know, throw you an assist. You know, I'm not usually the point guard, but uh, a couple of points he wanted, he, he just mentioned um, in reference to the game. The game itself, I wanted to add a little bit more context, being, you know, Bear Bryant. And, and so we spoke about this uh, over the phone a, a couple of times, and I, I kind of wanted to, you know, see if you can kind of 
hone in on some of that little context and kind of speak to what Shaq just kind of touched on? Well, um, well, for starters, you have to put that game into perspective. You have to actually put yourself in that time frame of the year of 1970. Uh, blacks weren't even allowed into the stadium for Alabama. Nope, no African Americans were even in that stadium for that game. All right. When we arrived in Alabama, we began to see the things that the, the horror stories that that you heard about. Uh, very poor living conditions. Um, blacks not allowed to do certain things. Uh, still can't drink at the water fountain, and although there, there were still places in pockets in 1970 in, in the South, yeah, where you needed to really stay in your place, and you could sense and feel that, and could and could sense and feel that from the from the community. Um, they weren't even allowed to come to the game, so African Americans did not come inside the stadium to see that game. Wait a minute, really? No, there were African Americans did not come into the stadium to see that game. Yeah, I didn't even know that. They were on the outside and they watched from the hilltops and uh, they cheered us on when we rode down when the bus went down the streets. You, the, the streets were lined with African Americans, kind of rooting us on as if you know a lot is riding on you guys coming down here. And, and then we began to sense the real value of us being there and the real value of us doing well. But mind you, games weren't even scheduled like they are now, years in advance. That game was actually scheduled that spring for that fall. All right, Bear Bryant saw, you know, the changing of the guard, and he specifically, did, you know, chose to have that game in Birmingham, not in Tuscaloosa, but in Birmingham at the Grand Old Lady, which was pretty much known as the football capital of the South, which that sign is still on the stadium as we speak today. Um, and so safe to say that he knew that the African-American athlete talent was superior. He also scheduled that game behind George Wallace's back and Sam Cunningham went crazy. And then also, you know, to see the ramifications of that game being played because they blasted Alabama at home. And one thing I want to take from that as to touch on what Shaq said, when, when it goes into the paradigm shift, a poignant reminder from that game or from that decade being that it's 1970, if you go to 1974 at Jackson State, we have three Hall of Famers on one team. On the 1974 team, we had roughly about 12 guys that went to the NFL on one team. We literally had 30 players drafted the entire decade of the 70s to going all the way down to 18 players in the 80s. And that's a direct correlation to that game, not just for Jackson State, but to Grambling, Tennessee State, and FAMU, being that those four schools had the highest number of draft picks that sent to the NFL. That game and that date of September 12, 1970, that day represents a, represents a demarcation. That's the best way to look at it. Now, granted, demarcation meaning that's the, again, the paradigm, that's the actual date for the, for the change. Now, we had plenty of success stories as a whole when we talk about HBCU football in the 70s. But from that date, it dwindled. It went to a reverse order. And the percentages, if you look at everything over the 70s, it reflects that. I mean, you go to not having a single player um, in the SEC in 1970 to Alabama having two in 1971 and growing and doubling and tripling that number every year going forward. Coincidentally, you know, when we think of integration, 
the whole concept of integration was a meshing of two races. Well, we all know that was not the case. It was planned where you're going to take our best and our brightest because there was nothing ever integrated into HBCUs. It was a poaching mm. and will allow your best to come into us to strengthen us and will weaken you because make no oh, mistake man. about it. Cause, because make no mistake about it. You know, racism is still alive in this country, but the Jim Crow was not thriving in the seventies. Like it was in the sixties. You had interracial games by plenty of different teams all throughout the country, but football is religion in the South. And you had none of that in the early seventies. up to that point. And that was by design. We're not going to play us. We're going to play us because they knew they would get beat. Just mm-hmm. like now, it was coming. It's, it's the norm to, you know, now, oh, we'll, you know, play them and bring the band because they know they're going to beat your brains out. But I can rest assured, but I can rest assured if we're loaded with talent, I'm willing to bet my last dollar. If we're loaded with four and five stars, I can guarantee you, oh, Mr. Mr. State won't play Jack State. I can, I can assure you that. <laughs> And so now when you mentioned to Coach Prime and the in his first season, we go from having classes, you know, with the rankings, you know, in the one hundreds to where Jackson State just did something that no other FCS school has ever done in history. We have the fifty-fifth ranked class in the country. I mean, let this marinate. We're fifty-four spots behind Alabama. We're talking about little old Jackson State. Hmm. I mean, so that right there is a shift alone in just a few months. So to, for our listeners, and um, you mentioned a couple of things that I wanted to kind of – we don't want to assume that they know who you're talking about. Uh, when we say Governor Wallace, you're talking about George Wallace, who was the governor, the infamous governor of, of Alabama at that time. Uh, yeah. We know If we know the history of uh, Jim Crow, and we all grew up in Mississippi in the South, we taught these things. Um, and you mentioned Sam Cunningham. Sam Cunningham was one of three African-American players that were on the roster at USC – so it's safe to say that USC was ahead of the curve uh, with uh, implementing African-American players. Of course, we know USC is not in the South. Um, and the, the whole point of bringing that game, well, we really just wanted to use that game as a bookmark because what Jack touched on in our previous episode, where we uh, we kind of toyed around with the ideal of Jackson State, if we wanted to leave the conference or not. And um, the, the, the whole point of it was to pick up that date. And, and and just some this this is what's so beautiful about podcasting. We you know we just uh, you know a few guys that you know uh, of 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 a, of, a, of, a, of many that um that love to talk about Jack State and uh, we we vested emotionally and and you know historically in 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 the, in the fabric of Jackson State. But when we're talking about we as we're talking, Shaq mentions his game and the date of that game is September twelfth, nineteen seventy, and then we we trans you know we we you. We, we fast forward 50 years to the date of um, Coach Prime's hire, which is September 21st, 2020, some 50 years later. And we touched on that in the previous episode. But like I said, we wanted to come back and add a little bit more meat and a little bit more context. So, Zoe, you made a great point because uh, we did want to pick up the historical facts of Jackson State. And for those um, of our listeners that not are, that may be non-Jackson uh, State alums, uh, you can go into your own history and speak to and look at where your historical programs from as far as your HBCUs. Uh, we just had a couple of HBCU uh, athletes go into the Hall of Fame recently. Um, I think one from South Carolina State, other from uh, either Grambling or Southern. I, I forget the name. I, I don't have it in front of me. But um, if you go back into the 70s, the early 70s, 
the 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 brand of of African American athletes that were accessible to us in the HBCUs because that was their only option uh, for the most part at this time. It was the best of the best, and 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 then some. Now that's not to say that from September the twelfth, nineteen seventy, up until September the twenty first, two thousand and twenty, that there hasn't been great african-american athletes go to hbc we never ever ever want to give off that impression when we're talking about this but two things can be true at the same time i mean to steal zoe's quote he says it all the time we can still talk about how the the the, the talent level kind of declined and we i think i think history supports this and still speak to the fact that we still had great athletes that attended hbcu so uh we wanted to kind of move it and not you know just just kind of we 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 set it up and jump to a little bit more of how we feel like coach prime's hire can be a paradigm shift and kind of touch on a few um, uh, things that he's already um, had an impact on. Zoe mentioned recruiting. So from a recruiting standpoint, how do you guys feel like uh, we know that we know that the HBCUs were uh, some of the, some of the other programs that were winning has done a phenomenal job uh, of recruiting, but the point that we're making is Zoe said something and I'm with Paul and I'm going to yield to Shaq, you and Zoe. I just want to set it up real quick. You made a point. The point was never in history has an FCS program finished in the top 55 in recruiting. I think we can all agree on that. So coach prime has already for Jackson state first class, his first class, he's finished at a FBS level. Speak to how you guys feel that Coach Prime's, uh, you know, him shining like just just add a little bit more meat to it. I think y'all know where I'm going with that. Well, well, the the first tangible thing that he showed over anything is that it can be done. Hmm. That's the first that's the first thing that he showed that it can be done. And so now, since we know that it can be done and we saw him do it, the next thing is, you know, I think it actually opened up a lot of coaches in the uh, conference eyes to say, you know what? We can do it. We may have to do some things differently. You know, I may have to change something to change my approach, but we have something to sell. You know, Jackson State has something they can sell. We also have other things to sell because Southern or um, Alabama A&M, they can sit there and say, hey, Dion's there and he got those kids there, but we beat them in the spring. That's something that we can hang our hat on and we can tell those kids, hey, Jackson State can't sign everybody. Come here. We have other things to sell and offer also. Southern has a great tradition. FAMU has a great tradition. They're blue bloods as well. So that was the first thing. The second thing that I would add to that with regards to, you know, what they could take from Jackson State in their recruiting class is the fact that kids are actually interested in coming to HBCUs because for the longest, you know, we would say, hey, give these guys a shot. But we were all I'm saying we as an HBCU fans and, 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 and the coaches, they took a defeatist attitude. Hey, we're not, we don't have this budget. You know, we're not going to waste our time because we don't have a snowball chance and you know what to, to get this kid. And coach prime show, that's not the case. You know, social media changes everything. If you look at Jackson state's roster, we have kids from all, basically all four corners of this country, the internet work wonders. So that there is a good start right there. And, and to add to add on to that, uh, I think the biggest thing that we can take from is one of the biggest things, and this is something that Coach Prime has been preaching since he arrived in this conference and what he wanted to do, um, and that's exposure. Um, and if there's anything that we can take away from um, from the experience of what happened in 1970, 
uh, mm-hmm. to present day is that players want to go where they're going to get the most eyes and the most visibility. Mm-hmm. Can we all agree with that? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what the PWCs did brilliantly that we were a little bit stagnant on was find ways to increase their marketing and branding and exposure um, because of their advantages that they had in society at that, at that point in time. But they did an excellent job of, of getting exposure. And to this day, you see the ramifications and the effects of that with the SEC now being the premier conference and the NCAA infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they have done greatly is, again, put eyes on the players. Um, so if there's anything that we can take away from it, it's that we have to find a way to provide these kids some much needed exposure because at the end of the day, that's the determining factor for them to get to the next level is how many people can see them and, and witness their talent, how many people can see them play, how many people can see what they're capable of and their skill set overall. And once you can c- increase the visibility and the exposure, then you can get the notoriety and the attention. And Shay, just to, to, to quote Coach Prime, to touch on what you just stated, he, sta- he said when he got here, He's here to show that there is a highway from JSU straight to the NFL. That's out of his own mouth. Right. What we're trying to do is just give these kids exposure, give them an opportunity to dream, to understand that the National Football League is a navigational system that leads from Jackson State, that leads from Alcorn, that leads from Mississippi Valley, that leads from Grambling all the way to the NFL. That is possible, and we're going to um, shed the light on this is really a way to go. You don't have to negate HBCUs because of the resources. No, we need those type of players to come in so we could garnish the resources to do such a thing. Also, one thing, I, I know that he created this moniker for JSU when he, when he said, I believe. But I said over and over again, I know in their press conference he said a lot of things pertaining to JSU. But I can assure you, when it comes to what we're talking about with that paradigm shift, just take Jackson State name off of most of the words in that speech. You can apply it to any every HBCU. The first thing is to believe that you can get these things done. He showed you that you can. The next thing, you know, he said that you have to have hope. A lot of uh, a lot of the schools, you know, they have a defeatist attitude, and a lot of people have to see things tangible before they can believe. And that's why I made the comment stating, hey, they just saw Jackson State do it with a few months. Now they see that it can be done. So now people are going to roll up their sleeve and try to do, you know, try to recruit their butts off to try to match what Jackson State did or supersede it. One of the things that a um, couple of points, man, you guys have said a lot. And I'm just, you know, chomping at the bit to try to at least remember it. One other thing uh, was, oh, you made a point in your in your previous comments referencing that, you know, um, in times past, we didn't. Um, you know, coaches may have not recruited a certain athlete because they maybe didn't feel like they, they, they you know, because uh, Shaq mentioned in our previous episode, you know, we, we're dealing with an HBCU budget. Uh, we have budget restrictions, budget restraints, uh, um, and we try to go for a sure thing. Uh, we really um, – but our very own Coach Prime said this. He actually – he was asked the question, um, you know, why didn't he go to the HBCU? And his response was he was never recruited by one. So um, he is an example of, of being that athlete. So when we're talking about recruiting, you know, that um, 
Jackson State has given a a model. Now, you you brought up a really good point saying now you've seen what it looks like. We've seen what it looked like because we've never seen this. So this is all new to us as well, finishing in the top 55. Uh, But when you're talking about, you know, exposure, right, we saw something happen. We saw an entity like ESPN. They proved to us that they could actually on the fly, they can make changes to their 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 um what would you say their 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 their, their uh, channels their media, uh, their media schedule their media schedule i'm sorry i couldn't get it out thank you Shaq. um they they adjusted on the fly it was a hot thing we got off to a three and oh start um jackson state we got to put them on we went from espn3 to espn2 to espn1 and we saw how some things started to change a little bit. Cause when we are talking about a paradigm a paradigm is let's read the that. De- what's the definition of paradigm? Anybody got that? If we, if we can pull that up real quick, we talking about paradigm prime, right? What, what, what was, what's the definition of a paradigm? And a paradigm is simply a typical example or a pattern of something, a model, a template. So now coach prime becomes the template. And I remember this because we know he's a master marketer. He's, 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 he has an amazing social media prep uh, presence, some over 2 million followers. We were, I was following coach prime and watching his shows before he became the coach. Sometimes though, and we, we did this the other day, we still scratch ourselves and say, man, man, coach prime, coach Deion Sanders is our head football coach. And we just kind of shake out of it for a minute. Yep. But one of the things that uh, he did, he posted something saying that hate will have you envying the very person that you should be following and and learning from something to that effect. Yep. Coach prime is the paradigm in my opinion, because um, he has shown us a lot of the things that we have hoped for. We've always wanted to recruit on a main level. I'll say this and I'll speak for Jackson state and we'll fall into, I want to, I want to expound a little bit further from you guys on, uh, uh, media presence and social media and, and videography and putting out content. You remember there was a time when we were trying to figure out who our beat writer was. was, And we went through, we went through beat writer after beat writer. We was starving for content. Man, who's covering our program? Why are you not talking about us? We, we, you know, we don't mention any of the entities, but we know who was covering us, who wasn't. Man, that, the, the game has changed. And guess what? We're seeing Coach Prime come in with a media team, do some things that we never, ever thought could be done. And I think it's safe to say, do you think – I'm actually, I'm going I'm to put it in question form. Do you think what Coach Prime has implemented at Jackson State in year one, because he can always change it and improve upon it and do other things, do you think what he's done has had, has had an impact on other HBCUs? Um, and if so, kind of touch on that. And if not, you know, just kind of expound on what you think. Uh, what he's done and how it could affect HBCUs abroad. Quick, the Most quick answer is yes, yep. mm-hmm. yes. Okay, I do. Um, and this is my opinion, but I think overall you're going to see the marketing and branding of all of the respective universities and colleges in the HBCU landscape. You're going to start to see it go up significantly, and you're okay. going you're going to start to see more creative branding. Yes. So what we're starting to see um, right now um, from from a ground zero level, we're starting to see Jackson State 
kind of transform how they're going to market and brand the football team and the university as a whole. Um, and I think, I think it's great. I think it's brilliant in terms of, of a marketing strategy an online marketing strategy. And I think eventually other colleges and other universities within this HBCU landscape are eventually going to build onto that. And they're going to be more creative with their strategies on how they're going to market and brand their university in this social media era. Uh, and it's all going to be for the good. It's all going to be for the building, uh, a building a better foundational um, model for our colleges and universities to not only survive, but to, but to finally start thriving more than we have. Because let's not forget the reason why HBCUs exist is because we were not allowed to, to go to other colleges, PWCs, other universities. Mm -hmm. So most of our institutions were started as land grant institutions, private colleges, biblical colleges and universities and so forth. And right. we just, we just, you know, gradually develop from that, from that model. That's but, right. You know, people talk about the autonomy that we have in black college football. We, we didn't have, we don't, we don't have, you know, autonomy because, you know, we, we chose it 100%. Part of it mm -hmm. is because we were never wanted. That's right. Let, let's not forget that people. Part of it is because we were never wanted. We were never allowed to participate unless we had something to, to, to provide or contribute. And then we were considered a natural resource to be utilized right. and being thrown away after we were no longer needed. And I think the Second, great Walter Payton said that very eloquently in one of the mm -hmm. clips that Tiger Talk put out maybe a couple of weeks ago. When it came time to choose a college, Peyton pulled a surprise and chose relatively small, predominantly black Jackson State, 80 miles up the road from his hometown. Why? Well, I had about 64 different offers in basketball, baseball, track, and football. And uh, the reason that I went to Jackson State was because something that my mom told me a long time ago. And after... Uh, my uh, junior year in uh, high school, she uh, kind of brought it into focus for me. She said, if an individual or person tries to buy your talents, then they think very little of you as a person and more of you as a product. Once that product ceases to produce, then that individual has no more need for it. He goes out and buys another one. Shout out to the 1400 Club for that, man. Um, the content that we put online is just second to none, man. I, I, I appreciate all the efforts that everyone does. Zach, when you were talking, something came to mind, you know. Um, I, I think that's uh, masterful, the way you put it. Um, my brain is just, you know, churning it as you speak in that regard because you mentioned something. You mentioned so much, man. But the thing that came to mind is this Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. But, man, we we really, too, we, we, we genuinely have love for the entire culture. You know, we um, – Coach Prime's uh, arrival to Jackson has even caused some of us – Jack because we – some of us, we were like, man, why are you mentioning these other schools? Don't worry about them. Just like we got so much we need to do, blah, 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 blah. And, and he had to educate us just with his, the way he operated, not that he – personally decided he's going to educate us he just operated and we we soon and fastly had to realize that we're dealing with a man that's operating at a higher frequency 
from a, a marketability, you know, marketing standpoint, business standpoint, then maybe we're thinking not that, you know, um, and we needed to come up to that level. But as you were just speaking, Shaq, one of the things that came to mind is, is that I remember seeing a recent post of some um, uh, some HBCU um, social media pages was kind of shouting out the Tiger Talk and mentioning us with some other podcast uh, groups and kind of asking some of the other universities, hey, man, this is the time. And listen, this is the time for you to brand your to 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 level up your branding. Shout out to uh, some of the universities that were already doing a good job. Uh, the FAMU's of the world. I think me and Zoe talked about this a lot, man. FAMU has done a ph- phenomenal job. You know, um, their, their athletic director, uh, Courtney Gaucher, uh, they, they do a really good job of marketing their facilities and, and touching on um, what they're doing, you know, the updates to Bragg Stadium, so forth and so on, you know. Southern adding uniforms and helmets, Grambling adding helmets, and and uh, we see we starting to see the activities change, and that's what we mean when we're talking about a paradigm shift. Maybe you might have been listening, um, and and probably was listening from more of an an outside standpoint, and and maybe had a a different um, uh, your heart maybe felt a little differently. But when you really the the the, the goal of this particular episode is to just kind of get into the meat of exactly how everyone can benefit. So when we say this. It's going to require all of us really to kind of have a clean heart. But when you think about, so we asked this uh, about Blue Bloods, right? You know, what are the Blue Bloods uh, programs? Each one of these universities have something that they pride themselves on. um, And we would love to see that. I said we would too. You know what I mean? Like it would be cool to kind of go and check out. Don't we look at other PWC and PWI, you know, institutions when they market their, their, their program, we own uni swag. We're on their websites. We're checking out what they're doing. We say, man, look at the locker at UT. Look at the locker at, at, uh, at, at LSU. How about this? Zoe sent me a clip of the locker at Prairie View. Man, that was awesome, man. The way they marketed their, 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 their new, uh, their, their locker room with the, the neon lights and guys coming and doing their dancing. That's what we want to see. That uh, uh, and and here's the thing: if you did not know how to market or brand your university, Coach Prime has showed all of us a better way. I'm not going to say he's going to show show because because you know when you say he showed us the way, the way <laughs> people gonna say, oh, we were doing this. He showed us a better way, more efficient way, and um, it, it's I think. Um, I think you can ride that wave, you know, you can ride that wave and, 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 and level up. Well, the, the one thing to tie in with Shaq, as well as what you just mentioned to would be the number one, number one ranked school when it comes to social media interactions right now is an HBCU. It's Jackson state. And that's his, okay. and that's his coach prime been in Jackson state, but being that we've done that, and I'm talking about we're over all these, quote unquote, these perceived, you know, FCS powers, North Dakota State, Montana, you know, South Dakota State, James Madison, Sam Houston State, they're a national champion. We'll get more social media interactions than they are. But you're starting to see, to elaborate on what you just stated, you're starting to see, you know, these HB, you know, the fellow HBCUs get more involved with their social media interactions. And, and what that means, that's, that's, that's taking a, uh, an account into, you know, every form of interface that they're using, being whether it's Twitter or, or, or Snapchat or, or uh, Facebook or Instagram or, or TikTok. Mm-hmm. And so 
uh, all these other social, all these other schools, they're they're seeing what Coach Prime is doing, so they're getting more involved. I mean, everyone already had a social, you know, a social media account on all the different platforms, but they weren't really using them. They were just using regular, regular right. generic stuff. But when that when they saw what Coach Prime was doing and seeing the traction that it was getting, now you see the change. Matter of fact, now you're starting to see teams, you know, they're doing their own sound bites at practice. You know, you're starting to see schools now have drones filming practice and putting content out from practice mm-hmm. and coaches speaking. And we encourage all of that because, again, even if we grow, I like to say, man, you know, we don't want to have it where, you know, we'll say, you know, you're not heavy. You know, you're our brother. You're not heavy. We'll carry you. No, we want everyone walking on side of us because you want your brother or your arch nemesis to be be at their best. That's only going to make that's only going to shine the light even bigger. I mean, also, I think, uh, you know, with Coach Prime being here, you know, when we mentioned, for example, let's just talk about, you know, the games on television. We know people will say, oh, you know, hey, this isn't like the first time HBCU has been on TV. That's fact. They've been on TV all throughout the decades. But the one difference is the manner in which they're on TV. That's the difference. And the advertising leading to it. You talk about, you know, the potential of, you know, college game day and first take coming to our games live on a location. That's only a PWIs and power five schools at that. You know, have they gone to an FCS game before? Sure they have. But have they gone to multiple in one year? No. Also, you know, you look at, you know, instead of just games being streamed online, we're talking about being on actual ESPN, the parent channel. ESPN two getting games bumped up, just like for an example, Jackson State just this week put our uh, schedule out for games on on uh, with the, with the time start. Well, guess what? The Southern games already been pushed back at nighttime. Mm. Already, it was it was a it was a daytime kickoff. It's been pushed back to six o'clock now. In the history of any HBCU or FCS school, for that matter, that had games on TV, how many can sit there and say their games were flexed? To a national television game, how often? It has Thank you. Thank you. And we and we've had multiple games flexed in the spring. The same thing is going to happen in the fall. That's a direct correlation into the source. See, when we're talking about a, a coach Pine being a paradigm shift, we talked about you know games being flexed in. How many times have we? You know, on social media, it might have been us. We might have entertained the idea. Even Coach Prime even mentioned it at uh, what Swag Media Day. You remember when HBCU used to be on BET and these other channels? Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I mean, could we? Could we? I, I think we can project. It, you know what? I wouldn't. I'll say it this way: I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see other, you know, media outlets to pick up games, or there be another media outlet that 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 is formulated from this. So, the only thing I'm, the only point I'm making is, is that when you start to see activity change when you start to see entities like i just said the espns they start to flex you in they start to bring those games in kind of to even it out they start paying more attention to it so they put other games into it you know you got we're kicking the season off with uh the swag meac challenge which is going to be on national tv so um it's you know all corn in, in north carolina central uh, is out the gate they're gonna you know i think um first take is going to be doing a virtual they were supposed to be on it, but due to COVID, they made some changes. But uh, then you have the, you know, uh, Tennessee State versus Grambling on the NFL Network. You see the the, the Hall of Fame, the uh, college, the Black College Football Hall of Fame game, um, and then you have Jackson State, FAMU, uh, Miami, 
on Labor Day on Sunday, same day as Grambling in, uh, in Tennessee State. Oh, man, uh, there's a lot of football being planned that day. Uh, I think the original time was, what, 6, 7 p.m. They moved it up to 3 p.m., like what you just talked about, Zoe. Um, TV makes the difference. And when you start getting on TV, here's the thing we want from all of this. When we start seeing recruiting classes go up, we start going up the rankings. When we start seeing, you know, uh, uh, HBCU game, they put out a recent report of a three-star kid committing to FAMU with several SEC offers. And he says, hey, I, I feel like I want to be a part of this change. I want to be a part of letting uh, these kids know that I, can, I too can go to an HBCU and still get to the NFL. The, the overall objective is, is when, you know, we have to win, right? These, the, this recruiting class has to matriculate into winning. Um, once the winning starts, you know, we, we continue to upgrade the facilities and we continue to brand and market our university and show that we have the same thing that the PWIs have and we have this to offer. And, 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 and we, what we hope to see is a, is a unit, kind of a, a uniform and unit universal HBCU movement up next you got to see the nfl draft and i think it'll really start to hit i think it'll really snap because as we mentioned that game with bad brian and usc and all that it really it, it was a slow it was a slow drip you get a couple of players I, what you say i think they had what three players on their roster next thing you know you got 75 80 percent of alabama's roster is african-american it's been that way for eons and nick saban seven championships he's more than bad brian but we got to get to the NFL. We got to get those players drafted. And I'm not talking about one uh, one player from one school getting represented. It's and what it has to be multiple. multiple. It has to be multiple because one of the things that the recruit said from the article that HBCU game they wrote was he mentioned that Darius Leonard, who is this, uh, he just got a contract. The highest paid uh, inside linebacker in the NFL is an HBCU uh, athlete coming out of South Carolina State. That is huge because when these players see that I too can go to an HBCU, right? I can, I too can, you know, thanks, thanks be to Coach Prime. Because here's the thing when we talk about recruiting, fellas, how many scholarships we got? We're still in FCS. We only can offer 63, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, you know, we can, we can, we can do walk ons. We can put 100 kids on the roster. But guess what? Every kid can't go to Jackson State, right? Every kid can't go to Gremlin. Every kid can't go to Southern. And now you can recruit and you start bringing those players in. We get what we get. You get what you get. And, let, and we we all go be great. And we go and we go to the battlefield at our best. And that's how it was in the 70s, the 60s and 70s in the histories of HBCUs. And we're hopeful. Yeah, we 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 we're out on the front line of this. And we know, you know, it's it's it, it's, 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 it's hard to root for Jackson State. But in, this is a this is a culture shift. This is a paradigm shift. And. That's why we talk about this being Coach Prime. So I wanted to hone in on the recruiting and get back to the essence of what we're talking about. Because at the end of the day, that's really how this thing becomes a paradigm shift. Bad Bryant did a move to affect his recruiting level. So my question to you guys, do can you see another university outside of Jackson State in that top 100? I can. Um, I, I, think, I think there's some – some underlying changes that are going to have to happen with the conference overall. Okay. Um, and we, we know about some of the rumors uh, with some of the, you know, supposed, you know, hall of famers that are interested in coming to the HBCU conference. Um, mm -hmm. So as that starts to transpire, 
you know, those universities would then start their own marketing and branding efforts um, creatively to, to try to, you know, attract more high caliber student athletes to come to their respective programs. Um, and I think that's what it's going to take, because let's not forget that um, the money follows the talent, right? Right. The right. money follows the talent. So if you have the talent, the money is going to follow. That's that right. means uh, TV revenue. That means more exposure. I mean, let, from a from a from a from a from a microcosm perspective, let's look at the amount in the social media. Let's look at the amount of YouTube and and Facebook pages and Instagram pages um, that have all, all of a sudden been created because of the arrival of Coach Prime in the conference. That's right. So that in itself is, you know, providing more exposure to the athletes. Um, and by, you know, visiting some of these YouTube channels and so forth. So with all that being said, I think the HBCU landscape is in a perfect position to absorb some of those Hall of Famers that may want to get into coaching and may take over a program. Uh, and that's going to bring more eyes into the conference. That's going to bring more revenue into the conference. That's going to bring more marketing and branding into the conference, which ultimately is going to affect the amount of talent you can get into the conference as well. Once that talent starts to come in and then you're going to have more exposure, possibly more kids going to the NFL. And now you have um, you have a you have a pipeline. You also you also have something tangible that a kid from the outside looking in can say that I want to be a part of. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I actually used a little term that I was saying with regards to HBCU in the future what would be the what would be put the potential tangible end game in all of this right mm -hmm. and first thing we stated players getting drafted to the nfl all right well you know we've had guys go to the nfl but it's a it's an extremely slow drip part of it though is you know the nfl know that there was already talent in the swag but they knew that they could get that talent without drafting it and just say hey you know it's a hidden gem we'll automatically get that guy as an undrafted free agent thing that we're changing and the, and the first thing that the SWAC itself has potentially done is that we've not we've we've put a huge dent in the armor of the perception of the SWAC being when it comes down to the the level of play or the quality of play I mean the overall perception of the SWAC has totally flipped right now I mean being from the fans in and, the, in and of themselves because you know we all know African-Americans tend to devalue all things African-American. So, you know, there was a devalue even from our own HBCUs. You know, we would tend to gravitate toward the SEC more than, you know, HBCU ball. But that's cha that's changing and that's ever evolving right now because the heightened awareness of HBCU ball, I would say right now it's at a fever feverish pitch than it's been in decades right now as we speak. That's correct. Then you go from, okay, what's another potentially tangible in-game that could be? You talk about the Celebration Bowl. What if the Celebration Bowl actually gets multiple sponsors to come in? Mm. Now you're talking about having a, a potential bowl game, Black College National Championship. Man, the payout could be 3 to $4 million going to the winner of that game. I mean, then let's just say the third-place team of the SWAC Conference actually goes to the playoffs. You get a double whammy, and, and the eyes are there. You know, so the growth, the plateau that we can get to is there for the taking. 
the in my opinion, I think the main thing that Coach Prime did when he actually did his research and, and chose to came to JSU, I think he saw not only JSU but a product with regards to HBCU ball and said, man, let me pick this thing up. Let me dust it off because, man, it's beautiful. Because, mind you, before Jack State was even thought of, Coach Prime sat right there on social media, and he was one of the main advocates for the HBCU Pro Combine a year before COVID hit. I was just thinking that. <laughs> a year before COVID hit. Mind right. you, that thing got pushed because of COVID. I right. mean, and he and I'm, if I'm not – if I'm not mistaken, I think he was. I think he was in Miami when he actually did that post. Jackson State was nowhere in the radar, you know. So I think he actually looked, looked, did his research, looked at that product, which is HBCU ball, and said, "Man, let me dust this thing off. It's some value in this." And you know what? I'm gonna use Jackson State for an example. You know what? Yeah, I go to his speech like I always say his press conference. I know you guys averaging thirty thousand, and you're not winning. But but baby, I believe you got to stay in the whole sixty. I believe we can fill it up. I believe that a uh... Stadium that gets 30,000, which is wonderful for HBCUs, but it holds 60,000. I believe that we can fill it. I mean, guess what? We have the potential to fill up a 60,000 seat stadium every, every, every weekend. Guess what? If we do that, do you know what we see in the lexicon of college football? We're actually in the top 60 with regards to, I'm talking about SEC and everybody else, with regards to attendance. That's very tangible for an FCS school. Forget just HBCU. But guess what he's saying? We potentially could do that. Then you look at, hey, we can win. But the same thing he's implemented for Jackson State can be done at Southern, can be done at FAMU, can be done at Grambling, can be done at Tennessee State. So the potential is there. We just got to do the work. And 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 I, and I actually, I believe it's going to happen. I'll say this before we uh, get ready, man. This has been a phenomenal uh, another episode, man. I've been I've been enjoying this. Learn a lot. You you know you're able to express a lot. But a couple of things I wanted to kind of hit on that we touched on, uh, kind of go back to um, mention of you know Hall of Fame head football coaches that was possibly the rumors that were maybe out there. One I do want to mention is Coach Eddie George over at Tennessee State. Since Coach Eddie George has become the head football coach, I started following Tennessee State a lot more. Same here. I did follow Coach Rod Reed, you know, no, no, you know, but you know why I followed uh, Tennessee State in the past is because Coach Rod Reed usually averaged about anywhere from seven to eight, you know, FBS transfers every recruiting class. Maybe more. I know if any of our, you know, Tennessee State uh, uh, listeners may be listening in, uh, we, you know, don't quote me on that. I do remember we used to discuss it because Zoe and I was always talking about recruiting, but I watched the video of him giving the three uh, 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 walk-ons rewarding them scholarships that's stuff we see at the power fives all the time exactly uh, i watched the videos of them uh practicing in the in the in the work man i'm just saying like we we're getting a a um kind of a not whole view of uh these programs i look at all the every all the content i've watched the uh the all corn videos on on youtube i've watched the um you know any all the content that's being out that's out there we're putting it out there so so Yes, uh, kudos to universities that have, have started to uh, uh, ramp up their their social media presence, their videography, their you know whatever they got to do to brand and market their university. Uh, uh, I, I thought it was the thing that came to mind was Coach Prime on a recent uh, video talking about all the good things when he was rolling out the practice field. 
shouting out uh, our very own uh, uh, um, uh, Jack State's very own uh, Vin- Coach Vincent Dancy that's down the coaching at Mississippi Valley, trying to help them get some uh, some 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 resources and get a uh, get get a field and, and and some other things. But uh, the thing I did want to mention on because I know when you hear that, you know there may be a coach out there that's not a Hall of Fame and say, well, what about the guys that have earned their keep? Hey, listen, this is the thing. Well, two things can be true. So what we have to do is, is that we're podcasting, we're talking, we're just, we can't always go back and, and correct everything and try to fix everything. We got to know that just because we're talking about Hall of Famers coming to be head coach, we're not slighting the other coaches or saying that this, you, you have to be, no, we're talking about what a Hall of Fame head coach and and can do for a, a, a universe, I mean, do for the HBCU culture by shining a bigger light. It, it it also empowers the the NFL to get more involved. You know, we don't know what Troy Vincent and Coach uh, not Coach Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell. What we don't know what they're gonna do. So in combination, you know, what we really have is kind of a snapshot or a, a kind of a, a a a really good example of what we could be. Right. So again, guys, like I said, uh, great, great, great show, man. Uh, great context. But before we get out. You know, uh, Zoe, you got anything else you wanted to add? No, I mean, the only thing I'd like to add, man, is just um, looking forward, man, to seeing the future shift of HBCU ball. Uh, most notably, I'm, you know, definitely stay in tune with my JSU Tigers, man. But just just being cognizant of the current state that we're in right now and where we're headed to and just excited about the change, man, to see what's going to happen and, and, and to look forward to seeing what we're going to elevate to. And when I say we're, I mean all of HBCU ball, man. So that's pretty much it, man. Just excited, eagerly anticipating this upcoming season, man, and just looking forward to the future ahead. As, as I reflect back on this conversation um, and the, and the attention that it got, um, I think the thing that stands out the most is that what we're talking about collectively is a possible return to glory for HBCUs. The reality is, as we reflect back on 50 years ago, what happened with that Alabama-USC game, we noted a notable difference and shift in talent that came from the HBCUs that shifted toward the PWCs. Um, And as that occurred, um, a downturn occurred for our universities as a whole. Mm-hmm. And since that time frame, we have been struggling with trying to um, recreate the magic, if you will, uh, and find ways to do more with less. And can I add, we have become almost, you know, experts in doing more with less. Oh yeah. We have, we, we have a, we have a PhD HBCUs have a PhD in the theology of doing more with less. So kudos to us for still surviving and still being here, even after, you know, the odds were placed against us uh, in terms of surviving in the current landscape. But in acknowledgement of that, I look at this from a, from a very pragmatic standpoint. There's a different level of commitment and pride that, most listeners who may not have attended an HBCU don't get with us. Spring 2001, the W.E.B. Du Bois Honors College, mm-hmm. dorm room 215, going back and forth in discussions with my homeboy, the Corey C., 
in regards to what it would take for us to return to prominence. And at the end of that conversation, we both agreed that it would take somebody of a national notoriety and statue and someone with Mm -hmm. some brand recognition to -hmm. basically come to the forefront and come back, you know, come back home, you know, for lack of better words. And, you know, fast forward 20 plus years and here we are in that situation where a person of the magnitude of coach prime saw the need, recognized an opportunity for himself to remain in coaching um, and actually came to the institution. So there's one thing when you combine all three, when I say prominent, when you combine all three, the HBCU experience, you know, presents three philosophical um, ideologies and experiences and Mm -hmm. it's pride, prestige, and now prominence. And we can't forget that. Coming from an HBCU, we have prided ourselves on on being a part of institutions who had, you know, less resources. And let's Mm -hmm. let's not forget that the actual state agencies um, and infrastructures owe millions of dollars to black colleges and land grant institutions that they have not paid over decades. So we're, we're due money. We have been underutilized, have, have um, lower resources than our, than our national counterparts, but we're still here and we're still proving our worth and we're still thriving. That's a, that's a great thing you you said, Corey. And uh, let me, let me, let me say this real quick. That's a great thing that you said, Shaq. And, and one thing um, I'm going to tie that into coach prime is uh, Coach Prime has always stated that he's a conduit for change. Um, mm-hmm. But bear in mind, a conduit is just, you know, there's something going through it. And by him being a conduit, he's just the face of it. He has all these business entities and relationships behind the scene that's filtering resources and, 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 and things to help for the change, not just for Jackson State, but all HBCUs, but it's being filtered through him, through that conduit. And that's the thing that people have to recognize. We're so short-sighted that it's just like, okay, what is he doing with his own thing? It doesn't work like that. Like, for example, until he announced it, you know, Walmart and the NFL helped with the new practice field. It comes down to relationships. And again, the NFL is in partnership with the SWAC uh, as, as it is. Because again, with the Black College Hall of Fame, the NFL is behind the scenes on that. There are relationships and so many people working behind the scenes, along with Coach Prime. And like I said, there is a lot of things coming down the pipe that's going to really elevate HBCU football. So, let me say this: um, there, it takes a special person, a task that's been handed uh, to Coach Prime. Uh, I, I can't think many many have tried, many have, but you find yourself running into exhaustion because it, you, when you when you're trying to make change. You run into all the roadblocks that was put in place to actually change it for you, you know, to flip to flip it into that regard, right? When we're looking at what leveling the playing field means and how we're talking about getting back some of the things that were taken uh, from us, or um, and the biggest resource being the, that star athlete, It'll be uh, really exciting when we see that five star commit to an HBCU. But um, we want to hope to see, we want to see it through. 
to where we see it to the end, where we actually start to see everything change and and then not just be one institution because it be a paradigm shift. It can't just be all the great players coming to Jackson State and we just beat the crap out of everybody and it's just, oh, they only came to Jackson State for because Coach when we start to see all HBCU institutions that are competing in the SWAC and in, in, in the other conferences that you mentioned. So when that becomes the norm, then we know that things have shifted and taken a turn. But just like we mentioned to that game, it was a slow change, but you had to start somewhere. But we're getting kind of – fellas, if anything y'all want to ask, anything we kind of omitted or missed, let's kind of throw it throw one out on the table real quick before we close the show. I'll just I'll just say this. If there's one thing that we take away from this from this important conversation is mm-hmm. that we need to make sure that we ride this wave. We've had two instances that have created an opportunity and and you could call it the perfect storm for for our rearrival. And and one of those were well, the first one is NIL uh, name, image, and likeness. And the second is the advent and the introduction of the transfer portal. This has created an opportunity for us to basically take advantage of all of the things that affected us historically in terms of resources, talent, notoriety, exposure, you know, et cetera. Because now we, we have to realize that we are the culture creators for society. When we create the trends, everybody else follows. Preach. And that's a fact. So we, we have to look at that and be honest with ourselves and, 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 and look at it and see that we're in a perfect position to take advantage of this changing landscape, um, which is going to necessitate the importance of us changing our mindset and how we deal with strategies that, that will create um opportunities for us to thrive that's it spot on i concur yeah man said a lot man and uh i just think this was a much needed conversation we needed to revisit it and uh you guys hit another home run Uh, i always appreciate being able to sit down with both of you guys i I respect your acumen and your your knowledge and of, of history and and Types of subjects, and I know our listeners should appreciate that. So, uh, once again, we appreciate you guys tuning in to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. This is your main man, Ken Clark, aka Superman. We had Mr. Zoe, aka Batman, and we had Mr. Big Aristotle, uh, big dog, big shack in the house. <laughs> and uh, we, 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 we've enjoyed being able to uh, have this conversation. Uh, so until then, we'll see you next time. <laughs> And look, I actually started to when you mentioned about the game and you were talking about maybe it wasn't as important because, you know, USC obviously had, you know, black players. But the thing, and I was going to touch on that. But I was going to say, you know, well, the same thing applied then as it applies now. You know, football on the West Coast, yeah, they are big into it, but it's religion in the South. And I was going to touch on that quote that Marino Kasim had. I don't know if y'all heard it. He said years ago, he said, on the East Coast, football is a culture experience. In the Midwest, it's a form of cannibalism. On the West Coast, it's a tourist attraction. And in the South, football is a religion. And Saturday is the holy day.
Mm. So we all, so we've always known that the fandom down south is on another level. So guess what? The last straw was again, like I said, on Legion Field. That's the grand old lady. It's the football capital of the south. Nineteen seventy, black people couldn't go, couldn't even go into the game. Man, so you I, know, I just I read in that um in a in a news clipping that Bear Bryant had already been pleading with the university yep. to bring in more black athletes, but he. Yep. Was, he was banging his head against a brick wall wow. because the president and the governor, uh, the president of the school and the governor were like, hell no. Yep. And and ultimately, he he devised a strategy where he would play against them in order to bring about their visibility on the football field yep. so that everybody can witness it and see it for their own eyes. P- people don't know how tangible that was. P- Bear Brown was the coach, not the AD. Yep. He flew to California himself. And schedule the game. It was now, a granted, brilliant. It was a brilliant move, but was not talked about. And what we need to concentrate on are the other schools that were trying to beat Alabama that were that were within their conference. And guess what those teams started to do? The Tennessees, the Kentuckys, the 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 Georgias. All of them started to recruit more black athletes. And guess who was the last one? And guess who was the last one? Ability for them to compete also with Alabama. <laughs> and guess who was the last one? Ole Miss. Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. But but watch but watch this. What's tangible is he go out to California to schedule that game. The very next fall season, he had two black players on the team. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yep. The very next fall season, he had two black players on the team. And now, and now you have an avalanche effect where now the entire conference is is what almost eighty percent, eighty five percent. It's it's more than that, bro. If we're going, yeah. they're gonna be real. It's more than that. And I think um, we can learn something from those white institutions um, mm-hmm. in that aspect of 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 how they were able to um, change something that was extremely unpopular for them at that time. Because we know we have to acknowledge the truth. And the truth is, there are a lot of policies in place that spurred from the Jim Crow era that um, that white institutions did not want black individuals at their at their respective colleges and universities. And people may say, well, man, you're going back too far. Look, people, if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. So we have to we have to constantly Mm. be strong from a national and a historic perspective so that we are reminded of what once was, what could be, and what role that we play in that process as a people. Um, so looking Profile. at that, the outside looking mm-hmm. in, and also from a, from a central, from the inside, because I'm a third generational, third generational Jacksonian. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's built in my blood to understand the dynamics of what the college and university went through and how we were able to, to navigate a path after that. But I think it's important for our listeners and our audience to understand that we look back on this moment as the moment where black colleges were dealt a death blow. Mm. And, and for years we were we have been trying to, you know, come up from that, from come underneath underneath the water from that. And now, now is an opportunity for us to take a big leap forward um, with the addition of Coach Prime. Uh, to the HBCU landscape, and then after that, Eddie George, and who knows who's coming after. There's rumors that Marshall Falk may be coming. There's rumors that Ed Reed may be coming. There's rumors mm-hmm. that um, there's so many other 
you know, individuals, Hall of Famers may be making their matriculation to the HBCU, uh, to the HBCU rim. And that's good for the sport. And that's good for us. And I think we need to take that momentum um, and, and ride that wave to the end, man. Because here's the thing that we have to look at. Um, the, the one conference that we're speaking about, um, Alabama, uh, in that game between them and USC, um, played in the SEC. And mm-hmm. most people don't know, but after that game, about six or seven years later, Alabama went from having one player on their team that was black to having 15 players in 1977 that were black. Mm-hmm. So the change came slow, but undoubtedly after that, that same conference, the SEC, is now known as the conference that has the best black athletes. Yes or no? Yes, sir. Yes. It's true, right? All right, yes, so sir. now yes. we have to look at it. You know, 50 years later, you know, the possibility of that being of, of Coach Prime coming to Jackson State and HBCU. And, you know, let's take, uh, you know, let's take Jackson State and just put it on the side for just one moment. But let's say just Coach Prime coming to an HBCU. And it now um, has the possibility of a changing effect because it's a strategy. Just like Bear Bryant approached it with a strategy for them mm-hmm. scheduling um, scheduling USC to show that there's a difference in the talent level in order for them to be competitive. Jackson State has since taken a risk, and they've taken a risk by arguably going to get the best defensive back who's ever played the game, a mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, and saying, change the game. And right now so- we're starting to see you know, bits and pieces of the game being changed, regardless if we want to accept it or not. We're in the midst of seeing uh, a dynamic paradigm shift in the way one HBCUs are viewed, how much exposure those HBCUs have, and now the talent that is starting to come back to some of those HBCUs. With what we've been through as a people in these last several years, it was time. It was right. Um, That's why God placed it in my heart and I answered the call. I believe that God led me here not man. I'm going to say that real slow. I believe that God led me here, not man, because man didn't believe that I was coming. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.